what I'm saying is how folk get entranced by memes that are put out there by uh, or Hollywood, for instance, in movies and all that. And folk will dive into the occult simply because it becomes, it's made to be trendy. They don't realize they're being manipulated to go along with it and, and to actually um, follow and, and alter their behavior even or their thought patterns as they follow the, was put out for them to follow. Many, many years ago in Britain, and maybe the world, I don't know, there was um, a magazine put out. I think it was called Mad, Mad Myth and Magic, I think. And it was maybe a monthly issue. I'm not quite sure it was weekly or monthly. But a lot of people, young folk, were snapping these things up. And it was every little tidbits, little mouse, mouse traps, they call it, that, that, that entice you in. You say, oh, wow, that wonder thing when you're young really grabs you and you want to know. And you do suspect there's something more to everything than just the dryness of politics, etc. It's a pity to drum that out of you too. But anyway, the man with magic, and, and I think they even sold books through it too. And you can basically, they can get big folders and put all the magazines in until you get a whole, a whole compendium of the volumes, as they called it. And that really was a big changing point, getting ready for many years later to bring in the idea through entertainment of uh, Wiccanism, as an example. You, you always get prepared before something comes out. You don't, you don't realize that, but you are. You're the generation of picked for this, that, or whatever it happens to be. And at that time, uh, they'd already planned uh, to, to sow the seeds that people wouldn't realize the thoughts that they were getting weren't really theirs. They knew how you would follow things and it programs you. You do get programmed, you know. But um, a man with magic was, was a big, big one for, for pushing on. And then, of course, years later, they bring on all the different things on TV for teenagers and folk in their 20s. And maybe in the 30s, uh, on, on the occult, lots of programs on it, and, uh, and they just dive right in. They're being programmed in advance, you see. You don't know that, but that's how it's done. Big committees in countries, I've seen some committees in Britain. I've seen the ones who used to decide for the BBC many, many, many years ago, uh, really who the hits were going to be in music. And it's nothing that they would imagine. You couldn't imagine it, the kind of panel you would see. It wasn't the disc jockeys that you would see. They're all paid well for pushing whatever. And they know how to, they smell the window, what's to get pushed. They're given little notes on who's to get pushed, and they're rewarded well for doing it. Because it's entertainment, right? It's just entertainment. But you look into... The panels that, that, that chose it. And these folk came in, and there were, oh, maybe, maybe about 25 of them. And the big table, the whole thing, and you wouldn't recognize pretty well any of them. And they had the wealthy gear on, like the clothing, you know, and tweed suits, men and women, and, and wealthy, and the, the old. That was the thing too, older, you know, much older than the teenagers that when they buy all the stuff that they want to promote. And they would, they would sit there and decide with nods and winks and, um, and little guffaws, as they say. You, you don't just laugh, you have a, a, a kind of a bit of a guffaw occasionally when they're pushing something a bit silly. And they would decide who would be top of this and that and the other, you know. And even when that was exposed, eventually they kind of clammed up and tried to hide it even better because they don't like the public getting a peek behind the curtain or under the cover of the tain, you know, the tainment. And that's what 
even the word itself is interesting, but you enter, you know, behind a curtain in a sense, like almost like a tent type thing, a tent. And uh, they don't want you, they want you in and to be mystified, but never to figure out what's going on. Because it affects your lives. And so much of your behavior is predictive programming. That's what it is. You watch it enacted, whatever it happens to be, on a social level, through dramas especially. And, and they, they, they said, I remember many years ago, the, the Bernays types, these big associations of marketers and, and public relations outfits. And don't forget that, that in Bernays time, he called it propaganda. He had no problem calling it propaganda. And eventually they changed the public relations when the propaganda got a bad name for being bad, you know. Now it's a good name for being bad, but, or a bad name for being good, I don't know which it was which. But anyway, it's quite fascinating to, to see how it all works together, programming for all the different phases in your life. You don't know that, do you? You really don't know how much program you've had through fiction. Especially when you enjoy the fiction, especially if it's a series type thing, like the series for television, where you, where you have more time to, to get to know the characters as they develop the characters, and they have departments within the writers that, uh, uh, that are doing it, uh, different script writers, but they also do character development as time goes on, and then they find out, again, through, through the, in this day and age, through the internet and and likes and dislikes and all the rest of it and suggestions, they, they like to, they, they get an idea of what's working, what isn't. Very quickly, they can add to the character until you start to like the character. Whatever was lacking is now, is now gone and, and they're, they're, they're a fulfilled character and you'll identify with them. And in such a character, then you can start writing where the script is to go off from a basic futuristic sci-fi until now, the one that you like is going to take the, the side of whatever oppressed group or whatever it is that they're pushing and, and, and the political correctness at the time. And that's how you get your, your mind changed because you like the characters. You identify with them. And that's what you're meant to do. You're meant to identify with the characters. And the, and as they change the strata of society, and, and, because there's different levels of society in all these groups too. There's different levels of being as they keep altering what were called all kinds of norms. Uh, and, and so they start changing that too in the, the series. And, you, and you'll follow along with it too. If your main character be, be a male or female, you'll, you'll start to identify with the changes and, oh, yeah, yeah. And so you'll start even parroting little terms that come from the shows. It's, it's, this is not just a happenstance, occasional thing. This is almost through everything now. And you have no idea how much your tax money goes into entertaining you so you get programmed. You have no idea at all, especially through TV series, but also through big movies too. Why do you think every country is a department of culture? If you are the culture, why, why do you think you've got a department of culture? And they all sprung up really around uh, during World War Two, and then after the, the big big um, handouts by the Department of Culture to all the to, to novelists, to children's book writers, to screenwriters, and and so on, uh, you're you programmed this big money because it's, 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 you're not living your life has already decided how it's going to be. 
you know, when you're born. You don't know that. I used to, at one time, not for long, but I used to wonder what Stalin was on about uh, in some of his writings, and also the, the people behind Stalin, the mass psychopath, they're all psychopaths, these characters, you know. And you had Beria, who was in charge of, at one time, of the NKVD, a ruthless murderer, you know, they all were. But Beria used to host the, 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 the meetings of the Comintern, the international communist parties. They would send their delegates, delegations for the different youth brigades that they would get sent off for training in Moscow from all the countries. Canada was rather famous for sending off rather famous people <laughs> to that. And, um, but Beria, long ago, back in the 30s, gave that famous talk, which stuck in my head. And I read it, and he, and he he talked about how it used to take a generation. Now he meant a real generation, like seventy years, perhaps three score a year and ten, to program changes in that would affect society, the culture and society, and have people adapt and adopt to the changes, adopt the change and adapt to them. And he said, he said, with techniques now. This is before you had the term toolkits for teachers and all, and all this kind of stuff. He said, with the techniques we have now, we can change and program. Basically, somebody programming changes in people, the, the youth, the youngsters, from a very early age. For major things that would happen in their lives, he didn't specify exactly what those changes would be. But if they want changes to be in their lives, they could, they could say 15 years time, they could get a new intake of students at the age of five and then program them. So when that event happened 15 years down the road, they'd accept it quite naturally without thinking much about it. And that's what you said. He says, we can literally alter the changes every three, three to five years. I think it was our 45 years. Uh, and, and and a whole string of changes that that person was going to experience in their life right through to the age of 50, 60 and they would keep and they would never fight back because they would think it was quite natural it was already programmed into them they were big in psychology you know the communists and behaviorism and so many things that, that were learned from the communist days were brought back by people who visited the Soviet bloc countries. And you had your great admirers of the Soviet system, which puts paid to the nonsense that it was all straight-lined them against us, because why would you put all your scientists over there, your top scientists over to meet their counterparts every every year, maybe once or twice a year, for big meetings so they could exchange and get to know each other and so on, and exchange um, views and knowledge. When 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 any intelligence book would tell you uh, that the Cold War would be won through by the, the, the nation that had advanced scientific secrecy and so on and secrets. Well, why would the, the last people you want to share with your supposed enemy and let them get access to friendly acquaintances uh, with um, their counterparts in the Soviet bloc countries. So anyway, you really are living through a bit of a farce. And you always, always were living through a bit of a farce. And you still are. It's even worse today than it was then with what you're told is truth and not truth and
untruth is the other side, like they call it. So you're you're living through a, a script. Again, I, I go back just before you get off this part. Again, back to the to the idea of propaganda. That great series, that great long-running series. I call it great because I hate it. It was called Coronation Street. I don't know if it's still going or not, but uh, the generations, I think, grew up with that Coronation Street. But every possible thing that was going to hit Britain, from unemployment, um, austerity, uh, all the social changes of divorces, before the divorces became normal, normalized, <laughs> and uh, mass migration of all kinds, the reaction to mass migration, all the way you're supposed to behave and react to it was shown to you through drama scenes within the context with the characters in Coronation Street. So much so you were told how to react to different types of migrants coming in, different categories of them and belief systems and so on, and how the youth would mix with, with your family and all that, all that kind of, all portrayed out in advance, you see. Quite amazing. And great detail too. And eventually, they admitted that Coronation Street was so heavily financed by the government and different agencies. And they also had, um, they, they had full-time psychologists working with them and behaviorists. And they brought in social work departments, professionals, uh, and counselors for divorce. All these things to make sure it was to get the right the context for the dramas that they would shown on in their, in their fiction supposedly that was going to happen before these even the mass migrations happened they were showing you how to react before things happened so that's that was amazing predictive programming you know. and sure enough they know that uh, is, they even know if it's easier for men or women to be manipulated. Uh, and that's always been the way too, because even Bernays talked about it, that, that uh, right around after Bernays too, about the, up into the 1970s and 80s, when uh, magazines, were, there was hundreds and hundreds of magazines, and uh, most of them were aimed at women. And because they said the women were, were easier to, to change. And women too, through psychological evaluations, that they're more easy to, uh, to program in a sense, to try something different. Men are way more conservative in a, in a social setting by nature. They don't like change much. But women will try the change. It's promoted. Oh, this is fun. This is going to be fun. This is good for you. And they will try it. So they have a great day, a great field day. Uh, testing all these things that women they say, and this is from the public relations books too. They still teach this yet on the facts and and the statistics, etc., of how things work. It, it's astonishing. That's why the United Nations, by the way, has all these programs about aimed at women across other countries. Is you know how to start their businesses for women, how to give them funding for women. The guys really don't exist as far as the UN is concerned. Very important because the UN is a front too for a big, the big global organization that runs the world. And the one, the same organization that uh, the WEF is on board with, and they're all on board with the same, same direction, of course, on every, every particular topic actually. Quite fascinating to see. So you realize the world that you live in is a fiction. No one's left behind, you know, because if you're alive, you've been programmed. 
You've all had you. And you're still getting programmed too. I used to have, uh, I've mentioned it before too, a bishop, I think it was a bishop or an archbishop in England in the 1940s. I remember just leafing through a book they put out there. And he was called the Red Bishop because he was, he was communistic, you know. But he, he talked about this, this term of, of that, that shortly people would have lifelong training. And he called it lifelong education. And if you, everything's written in, in double speak in a sense or, or different levels of, of meaning. That's how things are generally put out by people who are in the know. Talking to their own, to their own group, you see, or their own level or class, if you like. But he said that, uh, you would literally have a lifelong learning. And, and of course, you would, you would just pick this up and read it. Oh, I guess he's talking about, why would you do lifelong education? He's like, he's talking. Now he's talking about literally programming the people. And that's what, it's been advocated with the United Nations since its inception. This, this technique of lifelong training, constantly training the people to, for the, for each phase of change. So they, they, they make you feel guilty or whatever. If you don't jump into the next phase, oh, you're a bad person because of this, that, or you've got biases or whatever happens to be. And then once you adapt into it, you see, that might only last five years or maybe ten at the most. And, and now you must tra- retrain you to the next phase of your, the world that you're going to live in, you know. And it's lifelong training, step by step, five-year plans, 10-year plans, 15-year plans, 20-year plans, which the communists use and the United Nations still uses. So that's how, how incredibly precise things are. And, and yet we go through our lives, eh? and up until we're all locked down with this phase of it, which was planned years ago too. And we used to just, uh, people would go, come home from work and, and flop out in front of the TV, and they may get a beer or something. A lot of folk did that. And uh, they zonked out because the stress of jobs, and boring jobs too, mainly, uh, as is wear and tear on you, and, and, you, and it zonks you out. You didn't, you didn't probably want anything to really be interested in, you know, if you're tired. And so you want something to be light-hearted and trivial, trivialistic. And even that they knew about you. And so the, everything was catered to different groups of people and segments of groups. That's why so many TV stations are, 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 came out. And sure enough, you'll find your niche, you know, according to your personality type and so on. And they'll flood your mind with, with what appears to be meaningless trivia and lighthearted stuff or even silly stuff or very amateurish stuff. didn't matter because in amongst it, just for you and your type, you see, they've got the programming in there for you as well. That's how it is. There's nothing you see in a set on TV with the scene, you know, the set. Even in a room. It doesn't have a panel of people discussing it. That little flower on, on the table over there, you know, and what color should it be, what type of holder should it be for that flower. And that's all discussed. The, the visual understanding of things is a science. Because, because the visual, this like hearing, is a language. And you don't realize that, that if you look at a particular scene in a set, you'll be directed, as, as you're, you're listening to the characters maybe talking, you know, maybe two people talking, in a room, or outside the house, or wherever it happens to be, you're seeing it. 
And you realize as it zooms in to the two characters before you start, that your eyes have already seen certain things placed there to cue you in to that. And then something will move over to the right or the left and your eyes wander to that as, as they're talking. And you, you realize there's different languages getting put across there at the same time. And um, your, your subconscious picks it up and it will influence you. You, you, you won't even know what's happening. Now with the internet, or, or put this way, the artificial intelligence, being, and, and uh, the visualizations and on television and the scenes and the movies, uh, it's a mob. Well, it's a field day for programming people. I mentioned before that for every penny you make, there's, there's thousands of companies out there competing to get it off you. That's the system. That's what advertising's for. It's the same thing with reality. When you try to find what your own mind happens to be, you know, and you want to think for yourself and get your, an original thought for yourself, it's not an opinion from someone else. There's there's like a million companies out there and agencies and government agencies, and, and and they're farmed out. There's more farmed out agencies than ever before. So that they're not technically responsible to the people or to, to politics, you know. But there's, yeah, there's a million companies out there trying to get that thought from you to bend it again. And, and so you'll take theirs and reject it so you can, they can put your, their thought back into you. That's how it's done. So important, isn't it? Yeah. And folk never, it's, it's almost inconceivable again. This can happen without, again, some big declaration from the voice out there coming, listen to what's going on here. You can't imagine it on such a massive scale. Everything is clandestine. Everything is covert. You're not supposed to know what's going on. Why do you think they have whole departments and levels of departments that classify, reclassify secret documents for governments and all the different agencies and all the few agencies that they farm out their, their responsibilities to. It's not for the public consumption. You pay for all. It's all about you <laughs> and how, how to use you, manipulate what they want the public to believe. But you can't see it. And you think you're free. And folks will argue with you that they're free. It's astonishing, really, isn't it? Truly astonishing. The right to think for yourself is so important, but most folk can't, especially today, because truly, with the weaponization of mass media and entertainment and the Internet, you don't have much of a chance if you're going to use all these different tools to put out there uh, that you're supposed to use that enslave you and open you up to complete surveillance. And they dissect every thought that you have. <laughs> they don't have to have a hundred folk working on you. Uh, the, the algorithms do it all and they put you in, in the pigeonholes. I, did, I gave this talk in the late 90s. They try to pigeonhole you. But they hate you if, you if they don't fit into a pigeonhole, you know. Which your slot, you know. I don't, uh, that's quite some. And that's what we're living in. But as I say, history is like that too. All through history, you, you, you get bits and pieces of different realities all the time. Again, going back to Machiavelli, the prince, 
and the writings of Bacon as well to do with his, his, his you know, to royalty, telling, telling them how clever he was, basically at deceiving people on behalf of royalty. <laughs> um, it's something you got to take into account. What he did and what they did was done right up until the so-called advent of uh, parliamentary systems where you pretend to elect someone that's going to rep- pretend to represent you and goes off to Parliament. But, uh, yeah, it's quite f- fantastic to understand that kind of thing. And I, and even going back, I did, I mentioned it earlier too, as I was thinking about, and I, I had a little slip with Roger Bacon. Well, Roger Bacon was way before Francis Bacon, remember, it's about 11th, maybe 12th or 11th, 12th century. Franciscan monk, yeah. who had his own laboratory. And you say, what, what on earth is, it's a, it's a Cadville thing, Cadville, remember, that, that series? Is that what it is? He's making potions to help the sick. No, he, he was working with gunpowder, you know, to, bring, to, to create this thing called the cannon. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, no one's ever explained how he, he got permission to do that kind of uh, thing, you know. But, uh, yeah, if you can stuff it in this tube here, and there's all these diagrams and testing and, and got funding you know, to make the kind of cannon to do some experimentation. That changed history again. So, yeah, I don't know if it's in the same family lineage, but these characters were quite some, some characters indeed. Now remember too, cuttingthroughthematrix.com website, list my sites in case any of them go down. Cause I, I mentioned it before, I mentioned it way back too in February and March. This agenda is written in stone, nothing was going to change, it was obvious from the beginning. Uh, it's a big agenda for the WEF and the, the, the Great Reset, which is, a, which is a complete sustainability program, Agenda 21. And um, and that's what it is, you see. And I won't even argue that. I, I, it's just so obvious. This is too much there from the horses' mouths themselves. But... Um, in the different so-called lockdown phases, it really is to implement all the different parts that the SAGE group in, in Britain and other groups uh, in, in the event 201 talked about too, um, where they would, they would also go after people um, who would speak out against, it was to bring down social media big time and complete censorship of the internet except for pornography. You, can, you probably watch lots of pornography and, and that kind of stuff. But anything, anything that would challenge any official statement out there, especially when statements sound so insincere or bogus, uh, there's, there's always a lot of retaliation by the public about it, because we're not completely morons yet, you know, most of us anyway. And so they're, they're going after people using the old-fashioned techniques of terrorizing people. And they said with the lockdowns, uh, the different stages, they would eventually start arresting people. And that's what they do in, in, in a wartime scenario, as I say. This is this is a wartime scenario. This is what they came out with, a wartime scenario, to give themselves the, uh, the pre-existing powers for total lockdown of all kinds and simply arresting folk, even though you don't have a country uh, opposing you at the moment. Uh, you are the enemy. And, and you see, the, the war now is you. You are the enemy. When they turn loose propaganda units from the military, and all countries are doing it now openly, by the way, on their own people, you are then the enemy. You're the designated enemy. Not some people over in Afghanistan 
that they have their minds altered and be persuaded into something. It's you now. And their own writings, by the way. <laughs> it's you. Now, we're going into the psychological, we are in the psychological phase. We have been from the beginning of this whole thing. So first you get coercion and persuasion. And the next time, and then you get hammered, you know, there's people who have been hammered with disinformation to try, if they fall for it, they can get banned too, you see, it's all, it's all prearranged, including the dark web, as they call it, that, that lots of billboards put out there for them to fall into. Do, do you really think to just sit back and, and, and allow you to have a, a secret way of communication? <laughs> When you, the, the, the makers, basically, the whole Silicon Valley on board with this whole agenda. Because everything in, in your world, all the media is on board with this. All media is completely uh, saturated with CIA and other agencies, all this umbrella group, all, they're all connected, you know. This worldwide group, MI6, GCHQ, MI5, Mossad, you know. And many other organizations across the world are all one, you know. And with, of course, with the, the five eyes, as they call it, it's actually six. But they all share the same information. They have done since even before 9-11 happened. So you're living in a complete fiction already if you think you're still free and everything's on the up and up, etc. Nothing's further from the truth. An agenda had to be fulfilled. The elite who were, are the globalists, the same elite that, that wrote about bringing a world, a, a European Union in back in 19, the early 1900s. The same group that talked about eventually a, a unified Americas and a far eastern bloc that would be unified too. And who set up the organizations to bring it into force. The same organizations that publish books about it. Do you think we're going to sit back and watch the supposed, uh, populism, as they call the term now, eh? I love the pop, I love the, t- the terms just come out of, of, you know, nowhere to the public, eh? And populism, supposedly now, is like nationalism, you see. And, when I was young, you really just had inside a national nation. <laughs> you had political parties, you had left wing and right wing and middle and all that. But it was still for the nation, as far as we, you would think it would be. And But then as time went on, you started to notice uh, they, they talked about the left and they talked about the radical right. That's what, you never got right wing anyway, it's always radical right. So, and then you realize they changed again the meaning, the definition, that if you still wanted a nation, then you, then you were, you were a right-wing extremist. That, that's what it still is today, eh? So nothing to do with Labour Party on the left or anything like that anymore. But, uh, when they saw, they saw the, the populism going for Europe too, and currently getting so fed up with that, that monolithic communistic or bloc, of the of the the EU Parliament and so on, then they wanted out. Never mind the squandering of billions of of pounds of money to the darn thing every year and get nothing back. It's uh, totally corrupt, of course. But they weren't going to let it happen. Uh, this is a dream they've had for so long. By the way, getting back to printfreemedius.com, take a list of the, send me a few bucks my way. Cash is fine. 
by the way. The mail still works awfully well. Don't register anything if you send by mail. The ordinary mail is the best and uh, it gets through faster. It does get through faster. If you start paying extra for this, everything gets checked in and then that's when stuff might go missing. But if you send things ordinary mail, never a problem. That's how it works. So you can send cash or you can send checks. And uh, MoneyGram too, I think, still works. Or you can get something from the bank itself. You can write a check out for you if you want to ever to help me take along here because uh, our days are becoming numbered. I know that. I knew this a long, long time ago. So time. Before I even came out to start talking about it, I knew pretty well accurately too. The, the lifespan would have of communication via the internet. In fact, the first few years I gave talks on radio shows. I didn't even have a computer. Didn't want one. Because it was certainly was not personal. I knew its real purpose was. It was to collect all the data on you. But, um, send me a few bucks. You can buy the books and discs if you want to, or just straight donations are really welcome. And, because we're going through the dark, dark times now. That's a, dark, a new dark age in a sense. In fact, it's more appropriate to call it a dark age, I think, really. Because all reality is being closed off. Shut out. And you're given this dark, fake reality to stumble around in. And you have no idea of the powers behind it all. None at all. How big it is. This didn't just happen overnight or within the last year. This is this has been prepared for many, many years. So the same group as I say that wanted uh, globalization. The same group that could give the speeches at the World Economic Forum about all the time. Again, the World Economic Forum is something you don't Vote for it, just created itself, and yet it has all this power and oligarchical tyranny. That's what it is with the richest folk on the planet in it who've decided long ago that this was theirs, you know, all this is theirs, and you become a nuisance. I'm not kidding you. And they've got about a hundred different ways of convincing you you're bad. And you shouldn't even be alive, you know. You're taking up the resources off their planet. But they were, they've been talking this way since the 1700s. Oh, we understand that. The select groups have been prattling on about this. And even in the days of Malthus, he, who came as a front man, an economist, eh? who came an early economist for the big Bank of England group in the city of London, eh? One day, you know, one day all these peasants will be breeding and there'll be too many of them and we don't, we need them for wars and for creation, the creation of a British Empire at the moment, but um, one day there'll be a problem, there'll be too many folk and we don't need them. Here you go. That's my summary of it. And it's all coming out now, you see. You've had years of indoctrination that you're to blame because you had to be the target. Oh, if you want to have, if you want someone to be suicidal, you just gaslight them for a long time. Until the, the, their mind is, you're, you're showing that you give them little glimpses into pathways they should follow. And they will, they'll follow these, but the eyes of logic. But you've really set up, it's all fake. You've set them up to fall. So it's a dead end every little corner. They go down. Then that, so eventually, oh yeah, I guess it. 
Ah, I'm no use. I can't do anything. I'm useless. I'm hopeless. So you just sit there when they say, well, there's always euthanasia. It's legal now, euthanasia. You know? Some countries like Canada. Uh, you know, you could take a pill and get rid of that depression. Like they do in Holland now, eh? And bingo, there you go. I think I'm kidding about this. The first, the first, psychological warfare is to defeat an enemy. You're the only enemy. Before anything else happens. Persuasion. Look at the logos of the PSYOPs units. They had really blatant ones before they changed a couple of years ago in the States. How to persuade and alter basically behavior modification. But they used to do influence and all the rest of it. To bring you to the proper conclusions on whatever they wanted you to come to without you being aware of it. A whole science in itself. Again, paid by your tax money. <laughs> and you are the target. Isn't that amazing, eh? That most folk don't know that. I can remember on a talk show back in the late 90s. And a woman called in, you know. And she says, I'm free. I'm, what are you talking about? But we're not free. She says, I'm free. I, I, I can go shopping anywhere I want and buy whatever I want, she says. And that was her idea of freedom. And it isn't until you get that kind of comment made by someone that you don't think was kidding, right? Then yet you really do see how people have different ideas of what freedom even is. Hmm? It really is, isn't it? What is freedom? You used to say, well, I've got the right to say and do what I want. No, you, no not anymore, you don't. <laughs> have you noticed? <laughs> And it's, it's getting stepped up too in a whole bunch of years. This isn't just about COVID. This is about everything. It's the whole reset. It's, it's, it's all the whole sustainability agenda into a new post-democratic system. That's what it's for. And you don't know that, do you? You can still put on the television and, and zonk out on, on, on silly dramas, movies, or, or what they pretend are comedies. You look at the speeches made by George Soros from his own website, the Open Society, and he 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 gave a talk at Davos or Davos in Switzerland, and other talks in other places too, and it's the same kind of talks really, which are exactly the same as you would hear from anybody else at the United Nations, as an example, or the World Economic Forum. It's astonishing how they're all on board with exactly every facet of the same agenda. No, no difference at all, actually. Which tells you there's a, a big organization that pre-existed Soros' involvement 40 years ago. That's when he claims he set up the, his philanthropic organization. But in that speech he made about uh, the problem with populism, basically, uh, it was a result of the of people voting to, to pull out of uh, the EU for Britain, you know, getting out of it and uh, dashing the dream that he had and uh, of a unified Europe. Now remember too, you, you got this strange thing with with uh, 
with uh, the, the U- European Parliament and things like that, and they have that unfinished Tower of Babel, eh? <laughs> quite amazing, which they had constructed there to look like the, the painting, the famous painting. And uh, that's no coincidence, eh? That is no coincidence. It really is, as, as we'd poo-poo any, any people with their ideas of conspiracy theories, uh, they give you all these symbols right in your face, right down to very impractical buildings, really, that are meant to be highly symbolic of something, something that they're going to, to do, which was to rebuild the, the idea of a unified world and become gods, in a sense. That was the whole idea. The biblical idea of Babel, or Babel, you know, where they would reach up into the, the to the heavens with the height of the tower and look down on God. That was pretty well how they kind of phrased it at the time, and some of the writings. And uh, of course, the idea again was that God would send his his, his sons out, their Elohim as well. And, down to destroy the, the tower and scatter the unified nations. And because they're all talking the same language, it isn't just the, la- the physical language, it's the ideas that conveys that too, you know. And scatter them and confuse them, confound them, so they'll go back to talking their own languages and they couldn't communicate, etc., etc., because unification would be bad. Interesting concept, really. It would be bad for the world and for everybody else in it. Because after all, you see, if you want to become God, then you have to behave like a God, right? Most gods uh, in, in ancient times were pretty tyrannical. And um, it wasn't until later that they gave you gods with, with complaints departments. Before that, there was no complaints departments. The old, the old idea of the Grecian God is really interesting. I like the Greek ones too. I like, like the mythologies. And they did put out good, good movies a long time ago, uh, based on some of the, the mythologies. They're really well, really entertaining stories. But it also gives you a, a, a glimpse into how they didn't really see. I, I'm sure a lot of the Greeks didn't believe in it at all. You know, they knew they kind of, it was very lighthearted take on what gods were. They're more symbols of human, parts of human nature in a sense, you know. And that's how it really was amongst intellectual groups in Greece. As opposed to true belief in particular gods. Some people would, but most, I think, I really think most folk didn't <laughs> believe in them. But, uh, yeah, the gods would play with humans, because they were bored, you see. And they would set up humans, little, little tests, little psychological tests that we would have now with psyops, uh, done on us, you know. How would you react in a situation? You're walking along a, uh, in a country and uh, a monster suddenly appears and what are you going to do now? And that was how the Greeks, uh, they enjoyed that kind of, and the, the children I'm sure would love these stories too. And of course you had a god that had to have a wife, you see. And she was also a goddess, and then she had powers, and and then she would have little um, skirmishes with her hubby. So he would pick someone to pick on, a human to pick on. She would go and help the human out, that kind of stuff. It was really, really good. It was a human, a human type idea of gods, right? human aspects in their natures. So if you take the Babel, right? or the Tower of Babel, Babel, and 
you look at uh, what they constructed for the EU, right? Right out of the, the famous painting and the drawing. Highly symbolic of what they wanted to accomplish. And this, 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 that's and so interesting. It's, it's like you could probably write stacks of books on that alone. In fact, you could. There's so much knowledge out there on all that. And here's a guy like Soros talking about the same thing that they all talk about. It's exactly the same. Too many folk, um, that sustainability is the answer. Climate change was, was excused to bring austerity in for sustainability, for reprogramming the way we live. Uh, climate change to save the planet are all going to die. Terror, terror, fear. And, um, it was getting ignored. He pretty well mentions that too with populism, as he says it. And he also refers to Trump uh, not conceding uh, to the the European climate change group that they, they met every year and, and and put more restrictions on the populace. And he puts he calls that populism as well. So you look at you know, who elected George Soros or any of his characters. You don't get to elect them, but they have such wealth and power. The, 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 this is the first time in history people with that kind of wealth can influence every single nation on the, in the world. Even one person like that can do it. And, and they do it, they put fingers in every pie. But they belong to a much higher organization, obviously. There's no intelligence agents in the world would elect, let someone interfere with their fingers in different countries' uh, agendas. If, if an upstart comes in and starts altering without permission, no, you did, your intelligence would deal with it, which tells you it's part of an intelligence organization. The big one, you know. And the rest of them are too, obviously. Because they never disagree with each other. On anything. It's, it's, a, it's, it's such a well laid out agenda. It has been for a long, long time. Of how they're going to deal with the third world countries. And um, how they introduce abortion rights across the world to bring down population. That's a priority with them all. And um, and how you bring in a post-consumerist society into an austere society where you have bare minimum to live on. That's the agenda, folks. But you've got to read George Soros' speeches. Don't talk about them. Or, or you know, you'd be hammered for just talking about them. But... Um, his speeches are, I mean, it's his words <laughs> at, at the big meetings, the WEF meetings and so on. And you can read them for yourselves. And he's quite open about the agenda that he sees as the way we're all supposed to live and what we're supposed to do. And he speaks on behalf of the WEF and the United Nations. It's interesting too, he called Donald Trump a con man. And he goes into, he was a narcissist, they wanted power and all that. Well, what do you think these folk are? They want to bypass democracy and rule as, as a technocratic society. Well, what's it, what, what, come on here? You know, but you know something? Psychopaths have no insight into what they do themselves. They know how to manipulate others, but they really don't have much of an insight into their own motivations. That's why they, 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 they are such hypocrites. They don't really see it in themselves. What they're accusing others of doing. So yeah, read read these guys. You know, read the read the, the speeches by the people themselves. That's so important. And they publish the speeches. You know, uh, yeah, I get fed up with with 
for your whole life. It's like political talks on television. You always get some boring. It used to, and I know in Britain and I think Canada too, they, they would give each candidate uh, uh, some time on the air, generally late at night when you're ready to go to bed. Years ago, that's how it was, and. But they're all given the same amount of time. I don't know how many times they, they gave each candidate, but it's, it's, you know, a, a little slot to talk in. But when they, when they came to the big elections or the, or the higher elections for presidents and prime ministers, and Britain was famous for it too, but they, they said the same kind of way uh, portrayal. They would have the, the president or, or prime minister come out giving a speech or the, the, the candidate, you know, and the different candidates. And then you'd have maybe two to four people in a panel that are experts in interpreting what these future leaders were saying. And you say, well, we all heard what you said. But they would tell you the most weird things and they'd go around in circles until it would be the opposite of what you thought they meant at the time. Why would you need people in a democracy to explain what the candidates mean? I mean, isn't it supposedly plain enough talking to the public, that the public can figure out what they mean. There's, there's nothing straightforward in this society, this reality of it, nothing at all. But what they do know, you see, is, is different people like different interpreters or specialists, as they say, and they relate to them more. And, and so their opinion is more important than the words you just heard from the, from the candidate themselves. That's how it works. So psychology, and everyone is playing with your head pretty well all the time. More so perhaps than ever before, you know. It, it really is a, a complete war on the people. And it has been openly, I would say, more openly, since 9-11, under the guise of anti-terrorism. And they actually had the article, I remember joking at the time, years ago, Saying, you know, he says, you know, the, here you go with anti-terrorism and, and how they had to have no privacy for the people because, you know, and, you know, you get, you have to check for terrorists and, and, and uh, of course they had all, again, all the tax money that flowed into this new business, this big business of IT and uh, all the different apps and technologies and algorithms and all that to monitor the people, to make sure that your thoughts didn't stray into the realms of what might be considered terrorism. Unless you joke about that, see, so you get strip search at airports and everything now. They even had vans in New York. I remember reading articles at the time on the radio, you know, where they, they, they found vans, these white vans with the gadgets on top. But they were actually X-raying people, the same kind of technologies they were using initially at the airports. And, and again, the lobbyists got the contract, oh, the same old characters and so on. That obviously were, some of them came in and, 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 and they had a homeland security and they would pass, they would and push for, for the, uh, on behalf of lobbyists to get these different screening technologies in, in the airports and places. But they also put them in, the, in these vans that were going through, that's along the street and x-raying people. That's really safe, isn't it, eh? Uh, <laughs> but then, and then one of the top guys at homeland security left it. And they joined the company that he lobbied for to get all this stuff. It's so corrupt, you know. It's so corrupt. And that's how the system really works. 
And, and it's this amazingly corrupt system. It's not corrupt from their point of view. They're on, on board. There are separate species like Bertrand Russell said, you know. That's what he said, that the, 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 the real elite who, who would breed properly, they would select their mates very carefully. Along the lines that um, the Rockefellers and their better family type organizations dictated it should be. But he said eventually, and because they, they would raise their children with a different reality of how they ran the world, as opposed to the fiction they were teaching the people down below them to believe, um, then there would be technically a, 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 almost like a separate species. That's what he said. And that's how it is. So from their point of view, you, if they make you a star to be in front of the people, a Bill Gates type, you see, or a Zuckerberg, or any of these guys, yeah, then they'll make sure you've got this big money backing you. Oh, no doubt about that. Epstein had a lot of money backing him, didn't he? He didn't seem to be producing any. He just seemed to have it. But uh, the stars are made in this world that you live in. The important folk that give you what are to be your opinions or how you're supposed to uh, 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 live from now on, according to what they've dictated, uh, they're all made stars by a big organized, the big, big club, you know, up there. The so-called guardians of everything, the guardians of the universe, <laughs> the guardians, uh, the Prince Charles Olympians, the ones that decide, you know, public-private partnerships are the way to go, where the public pay for everything. And, ha- and they run the corporate, they own the corporations that you give it all to, you know. They, they, they know better how the world should be. And you should just mind your place. And pay up and, and shut your mouth. And allow them to get on with it, you know. That's, that's the new democracy, the new reality, the new, the new governance. Huh? Obey. Obedience is awfully handy to have if you're ruling people. Without being elected, you know. And even if you're being elected, uh, if you're really serving someone else, you want obedience amongst the people, over the people. Because this, this is a clumsy thing, like the Club of Rome said, this clumsy democracy is clumsy. And you got, leaders have to cater to the rights of, it's such a nuisance that rights of the people. It, it slows things down, these big projects, and, you know, and you, you can understand, you know, and the folk coming, folk coming into the Club of Rome are ambitious, young folk, you know, ambitious, and, and they can't be bored with these, this rights and stuff like that, for goodness sake, eh? They know what has to be done. Ay, ay, ay. And, and unfortunately, with the psyops that are going on too, they're training the people that, that they're right. Well, you can't have all these rights. During emergencies. So efficiency has to take precedence to save us all. So therefore you do what you're told or else. And that's your new freedom. I used to, again, I gave a talk some years ago on Bush talking about the new freedom. I said, what does it mean, the new freedom? Well, it's, it's nothing to do like the old freedom. <laughs> Where you had the rights to say, think, or, or even question things. Uh, now, you, now it's a, it's a, it's a different kind of definition of the rights of, of freedom. Yeah? Until you don't have all the rights that you used to have, obviously. For the good of all. Yeah? And for the safety of everybody. And the survivability of everybody. That's how it's phrased today. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you. That's how it's done.
it's total war on the public, and it truly is total war. And you're going to see it very quickly now as they go into the next phase of the lockdowns, and that's the excuse to roll out the whole sustainability agenda, you know. But so many of the tests that are going on all the time, uh, the public are generally unaware of any of them, the general public. Again, they look to the mainstream and their daily newscaster on television to give them the reality. It doesn't dawn on them that these are all private institutions affiliated with big groups like the CIA. The CIA was exposed years ago, even in the 60s and 70s, when they had to they admit there's hundreds and hundreds, maybe in the thousands now, of operatives in all media, especially television and radio. That's how you control and manage and guide all public opinion, obviously. They, they didn't give up back then. They got, they got more embedded. <laughs> and I should admit to it in some of the PSYOPs uh, manuals and so on. Not just the CIA, but they're all one group now, as far as I can see. But I was thinking, too, about the predictive programming that we all live through. And you get prepared, as you're prepared for what's to come, step by step, different levels of true preparedness. They, pre- they, you, they prepare you for, for changes you're going to experience. They get you almost ready beforehand to just accept it without you knowing that you've been programmed for it. Stacks of nature shows and television. You know, look at these poor animals and look at it and 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 here's human encroachment and you take the word for it and, and you're already feeling guilty about it, even though you have nowhere near the animals are encroaching. Uh, and of course there's a whole lot different agenda on the go. They're getting you ready for human corridors uh, alongside the major highways and not outside, no, 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 no houses to be allowed outside. And eventually with agenda for the 21st century, the whole century remembers for a century of change. Um, so many parts of the agenda 21 have to be implemented every 15 years, accomplished. But, uh, you'll be eventually crowded back into the cities. And then you'll die off in austerity. It's not to be, you're over the, the old, the old way of buying whatever you wanted is to get phased out of commerce and so on. Yeah, this is what they're using all this for, this COVID idea. And, uh, yeah, I gave these talks years and years, years ago about all, and, and you're, you're here, you're watching it all, all come to fruition. And even the characters at the top admitting that this is a great opportunity to implement all the things to do with sustainability because the climate change had been stalled, agreements, right? But now that Biden supposedly is, is getting it back in, he's already agreed to naturally his backers to get them back into the climate change agenda, sustainability, all the other parts of the agenda that, that had been put on hold during Trump's term. So the global elites are quite happy to, to, and even with Biden, I mean, come on. Do you, do you really think all elections are real? There's nothing more fake than elections these days. You've been hammered with COVID since, you know, February or so. Total lockdowns, like a wartime, even beyond, way beyond warfare scenarios, where everything closes, including all industry, all work, everything, pretty well, everything. You know? And that was just a training part for what's to come this winter, which is to be two to three times more severe in lockdowns. And, and laws and rules and so on. 
So you, you get the COVID coming along, then you get BLM, and then you get all the riots in the streets and burnings and Antifa. And uh, I don't know if it's even stopped in Portland yet, I don't know. And the bus, well-organized, bust around and the whole thing, well-funded, big money. So you've, you've had this, this almost like a Bolshevik-type revolutionary scenario throughout the States, at least on TV, it looks much bigger than it is, to terrify the public. So COVID, that, that going on terrifying the public, burning, burning businesses down and so on. The schizoid reaction that those who do, do even looting or protesting or whatever you want to call it, uh, they, can, they, can, they can be shoulder to shoulder, that's okay. Right? But other folk getting picked up and hammered, picked up, it's almost like wolf packs. When they see someone not wearing a mask and the cops all pounce them in some countries, it's worse in some countries than others. So they pick easy targets, but they won't go near um, certain minority groups uh, who don't give a damn about social distancing. And um, they won't go near the protest. In fact, they said protesters were okay, you know, to do what they did. They were somehow, the virus, I guess, would realize it was for a good cause and wouldn't infect anybody. So, he's a schizoid attitude. So, so COVID, looting, burning, protesting, uh, and then, and then, the exp- and, and the, everything shut down, right? And misery and depression got for, and unemployment. Well, you wouldn't, I don't care what the, I don't care what the Department of Statistics say. When everything's closed down, and I know there's fact, there's, there's, there's jobs getting laid off all over the place. I, you don't go with statistics. You go with, you go with what you know is happening. Everything's going bankrupt. It's meant to, except the big organizations, you know, the one percenters, eh? the, the same characters that run the WEF. And who fund the Club of Rome and the United Nations? Not, yeah. They've made massive profits because all competition has been destroyed. <laughs> and your politicians are in bed with them, obviously, till they just dent you open. This is called fascism. That's real fascism. Begin back to what? So you really think you're going to get honest elections? COVID lockdowns, bankruptcies. Threats by governments attacking people for not wearing masks, uh, riots, BLM, protests, yada yada yada, all of that stuff. And shooting, say folk, shooting, shooting people who just wore a MAGA hat. <laughs> all happened in the streets. And you thought you were going to get fair elections at the end of all this? There's been a massive operation on the go right from the get go here. And in a way, as I say, if you look into Soros's speech, you, you get glimpses of, of his disappointment. Uh, of what had happened with the cancellation of the U.S.'s participation in the climate agenda, because the climate agenda was was, for the, was to put through the whole austerity program and just under sustainability. So COVID has forced them into you into you see same thing, a war type scenario where everything stops, and you're all going to end up in rationing. And you'll end up coming out of it under a whole new way of, of, of existing. I don't call it living, it's existing. Because you have no choices in anything pretty well. All planned that way. And that's, was, this is a great reset. You're living through the great reset right now, the early phases of the introduction of it. But the first thing you do in warfare is destroy our country's economy. That's what you try and do. First thing. Hopefully figuring it out, for goodness sake. But, um, 
And then, as I, I read articles tonight where the PSYOP units of other countries are, I mean, now they're openly working against their own people. That's on a dangerous, dangerous step, believe you me. Because the next step is to have the military physically attacking their own people. That is, it's bad enough when they're attacking folk on the internet for having their opinions and so on. That's bad enough. That's not democratic by any. So what system are you in, folks? You better start thinking about this. But please stop saying that you live in free societies. Don't, 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 don't use that nonsense. You're in very dangerous times. Getting back to how you're programmed, you know, nothing's new. And how you must convince the victim to almost commit suicide or give up, eh? That's what you do in, in psychological warfare. Until literally the, the, the morals that kept them together, the, the, the zest they had to, to fight injustice against whatever is demolished. And you say, oh, well, maybe they're right after all. And that's how it's done. This is all happening right now. It's been happening your whole life long, in fact. But you think of these hunger games, and after watching the street riots and, and so-called lawlessness, I don't know what the last movie was called, but supposedly they got to kill us, their, their enemies one day of the year or something. I didn't see that. You think this is all new? These ideas, eh? You see it here too with, um, I was looking up the, the different old dystopian movies, and one was called uh, The Tenth Victim. A kind of silly, typically 60s type movie, 1965, with Rosella Andrus in it. Where this club existed, where folk would take challenges to to go and hunt different people down and kill them, you see. So, so this this idea hunger is not all that new, really. You've had the idea floated and floated and floated, you know. And when it came to even eugenics, you know, in the nineteen twenties and thirties, with Rockefellers in full swing and and Cold Springs Harbor on on the go to do with eugenics and, and attempted breeding better people is <laughs> what it was for because you're all wrong so they make you better you see you had lots of musicals came out that was the whole thing in the 20s and the 30s to change society then by the way and it was generally again aimed at women to flood into cities as sectaries and, and do you know even sleep with the boss this is in the 20s and 30s there's stacks of movies like that or you become a flapper you know, or a hoofer, as sometimes they called it, the dancers on stage, the chorus girls, and uh, and just become almost like the star of the day, like an like American Idol of the day. Anybody could make it, you know. That was the idea. But a lot of them were aimed at working girls to go into the cities and basically prostitute themselves to bosses and things to work their way up. They actually had one called, I think it was. Um, uh, was the boss's secretary's wife or something? Because they, they, they take over from the, the real wife and confide more in the secretary. So even psychology was involved back then too. Until the, was the Department of Decency took over and decided to check these films that were basically promoting cultural change and they said not for the better. But also there, there was a movie, uh, I can't remember what it's called, but it was Remember the, the show, all these different people dancing on a table, making an arch with their legs, these women on the stacks of them. 
and that the two, the singer, the male and the female, behind, between them at the bottom of the table. And I think it was, you've got to be young and beautiful if you want to be loved. So the message was loud and clear that if you're young, you're worth it. You know, you've got worth if you want to be loved and so on. But folk who are older or past it, you're over the hill, you don't matter. Which we're getting told today, it's time to die, you know. Time to die. How many years have you lived? It's time to die. And it's coming from your, your, your ethics committee, you know, and bioethics and so on, eh? Yeah. Because the people you don't vote for again, right? They just appear suddenly with schools of thought from universities. But I was thinking that, yeah, you had, you had that one, um, that movie, the songs like Be Young and Beautiful If You Want to Be Loved. And also you had a kind of comedy, it was called Just Imagine, 1930. The futuristic, I think it was to be set in 1980. But it was made in 1930. We'd have flying vehicles, flying cars, and things like that. Uh, but everybody would have a number. This is a kind of comedy. But everybody would have a number. And you wouldn't have children the normal way. You would order one. And it, would, it was like a nine, it was just three years before Brave New World came out, the, the, the book. Yeah? And, uh, two or three years before, anyway. And it was a, sci- a science fiction fantasy, you know. So the child would be artificially created for you, and, and you had to get permission to get married. And you had to, if it was a man, you could try and pick the the woman if she wasn't attached. But you had to prove that you're a better, a good eugenic match with financial income and all the rest of it, better family type thing, under the Rockefeller standards, uh, before you could marry. And judges would decide if you could or not or couldn't. Quite interesting, but yeah, the idea's been floated out for a long time, and even through, I get, so much actually is introduced through, through, enter, through, um, comedy. Oh, right to the present, this, you always push the limits through comedy. Uh, it's quite amazing to see how far they go with comedy. You can't put off guard with it, aren't you? You're you know, laughing at something that, 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 if it's a straight drama, might make the, the, the hairs in your head, just the hackles in your head, just stand up, you know. But with comedy, it's a, you're in a, a, a click mode of between two two spaces, and you'll you'll you'll, you'll laugh. There's again, massive psychology involved and all that too. But the point is, nothing's coincidental, including at the right time putting out the Hunger Games. The title itself, Hunger Games, right? Who should live? Who should die? And and so on. And again, we have the professionals coming out nowadays and universities, just all, all at the same time, mind you. So it's not planned or anything. Because that's how things we get introduced always at the same time, as we give you the clues. Even what they want you to know at the same time. Like the, like all the intelligence agencies that now are gunning for you. It's all over the media in, in the same week. That's not coincidence. Because it's coercion, it's to frighten folk off to start with. That's part of psyop warfare. Frighten them first, terrify, then step up to terrify. Because these organizations terrify, they've been trained how to terrify populations in other countries. That's in their guidelines, eh? and their tuition manuals. And they have pretty well accurate Stats on how much in the population generally will, will cave in right off the bat and say, oh, I don't want any trouble. So just before I finish this whole section, I feel like section, do you really think COVID 
lockdowns, essential businesses, non-essential businesses, rationing in some areas, and eventually rationing off and cutting off non-essential products for sale (laughs) as a start. And then these spontaneous riots and protests, backed by governors and so on, right? Burnings, lootings, and Antifa out in the open there. Well-funded, I wouldn't believe. We're just going to stop it all and allow a fair election. Did you really think that? What made you think that? What do you mean? When the the whole of the establishment media, the whole of the WEF, the whole of the all the different groups at the United Nations, all completely all on board with getting Biden in. This massive intelligence operation, obviously, folks. You don't have independent media there at the top. You really don't. That's why all the big name media was was. They must have been getting government funding for the last twenty years, more and more, because no one was reading their stuff. It was so boring and obvious. Especially since media went electronic, they had their, 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 their you know, the begging bowls out for years. No newspapers to sell, right? That's the way they were getting the money from, because they are the, they are the official, authenticated outlets of, of news by governments. <laughs> All of them, that's what they are. But everybody was on board for this, right? So after, after all of that, do you really think that most Americans, I don't, see, I'm not, I don't give it politics, but do you really think that most Americans sat and watched again the COVID night, the lockdown, the brutality by cops, and, and then, then, then Black Lives Matter, then Antifa and the burning down of areas, including black areas, black business areas, and, and, and residences, all getting burned down, you know, terrorized. This is, this is a terror campaign. But again, you couldn't criticize it because the mainstream media were all for it. They would, you know, they didn't come down. They're all just, pro- just protests, you know, just protests. Yeah. As they blatantly got gaslighted you, for goodness sake. And all the voters saw this, what was going on. Do you really think they were going to vote for the so-called left-wing party that was all on board with what they were going through, <laughs> including the riots and, and the burnings and lootings and so on? Do you really think they were going to vote? At the time... Everybody knew way more folk would be swayed to vote for Trump whether they liked him or not, because they had no option. And yet Biden apparently got elected with a, a bigger turnout than any president in history, according, according to what we're told, a jokey. And he's only to be in for a little while anyway, because the whole point of it all is to get Kamala Harris in. He's just there to launch her, you know. And he'll drop out because of his health, and so I said that ages ago. It's rather evident, and and she'll take over. They do want a woman in in charge of of the terror campaign. They do. It's just a, a sort of cultic thing. That you'll see it if you study history. But um, yeah, it's interesting to see that the, the, the kind of machinations of this going on, and people think are believing everything they're told. Eh? But honest votes and things. What a joke, eh? After, after revolutions in the streets, no, on behalf of the big internationalists, <laughs> the globalists. Uh, quite amazing. Uh, yeah. Well, folk are not suicidal. They'd obviously vote for the organization that wants to turn you all into a communist nation. Come on, come on, wake up.
But uh, as I say, um, you've never had such a great display of a one a one power system that runs the whole show from the day that the president Trump got in. Bash, 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 all the whole way right through. Again, complete em- embedded CIA operas everywhere. And I don't even mean that. Their own writings admit that too, by the way, you know. So, so I'm not surprised at all by it at all. You know? On board, unified information is so important for totalitarian regimes. That's the first thing you do. You unify all information. You have to be on board with it. You see? Remember, the target of everything, again, is you, all of you, everybody. That's what authoritarian systems, that's how they really rule. They don't want you to understand that you're getting ruled. They want you to think they're being democratically governed. But you've been ruled your whole life long, and before you were born, in fact, you've been ruled.